This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on August 6, 2023. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. Genesis chapter 32. The same night he got up and took his two wives, two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God's face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of the hip. This is the word of the Lord. My address this morning is based on the Old Testament reading that we heard in Genesis chapter 32, read for us by Shirley earlier, when we heard that Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Let's pray. Loving God, make us and keep us your holy people in the truth, for your word is truth. Amen. Have you ever wrestled with something difficult in your life? Highly likely, if you haven't yet, it will happen in your life. You know, you've got a really big decision or a judgment of some nature to make that caused you perhaps to some trouble, maybe you lose sleep over it. Hands up if you've been there already in your life. Yeah, I, I, I think we know it. Have you ever wrestled in that space with God? Perhaps coming face to face with God in a struggle. Like Luther did, for example, when you know, we hear the story of him in the storm coming back from his home, from his mum and dad to study uh, law. And he gets caught in the storm and he says, Lord, if you get me through this, then I'll become a monk. And he did. And we know the story goes on from there, and that's why we're here today, perhaps, almost. But what about those situations where you've been face-to-face with God, where, boy, I think I'm exposed here, I reckon I'm caught out. Maybe we know the guilt of sin sometimes very fully in our lives. That can be a long night. It's... I think something of the story that we hear in Genesis 32 or in the chapters leading up to our Old Testament reading today. You see, Jacob's story is one of deceit. It's one of fraud. It's one of taking advantage of the other. Isn't Jacob, though, one of these great heroes of the faith? 
It includes Jacob at a young age wrangling his older brother Esau's birthright from him. When Esau came home from the fields working hard all day and somehow stupidly swapped this birthright for some of Jacob's stew. And then with the help of his mum, Rebecca, Jacob tricked his old father Isaac, who couldn't see two feet in front of him, by pretending to be Esau so that he could get his blessing. Not really much of a story to commend this Jacob, is it? And so begins a life on the run for this supposed hero of the faith. And on the journey, God comes to Jacob in a dream at a place called Bethel. And he promises him land, descendants, and his unfailing presence and promise. He says, in that place, and this is after what Jacob has done, I will not leave you until I have done what I promised, God says. We have this great contrast between sure promise and trickery that's going on, that the human thing and God who's unfailing in being faithful. Pure and sure grace. Jacob goes on and he meets, and as we heard this in our Old Testament reading last Sunday, his wife-to-be, Rachel. Life is on the improve for Jacob, it seems. But on his wedding night, uh, after working seven hard years uh, faithfully, Jacob's father-in-law Laban sends in not Rachel but his sister uh, Leah. And so the one who's been doing the deceiving is now being deceived. And then what follows after that even more so is that Laban, his father-in-law, tries to trick Jacob out of his hard-worked wages. Human deception upon human deception this story seems to be, at least to me as I read it. And yet here we have, alongside of that, God standing firm in being faithful to his promises. As we come to Genesis 32 then today, we come to the night of reckoning for this Jacob. As he comes to the Jabbok River, he's about to be very much confronted by his deep, dark past. The very one that he had initially fled from, Esau, is on the other side waiting for him. He's about to come face to face with the magnitude of his sin in the presence of God. What will he do? What would you do? After all of this deception, the deceiver now has nowhere to hide. And if I can just paraphrase some of the verses that lead up to our reading today. Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau to try and broker some peace, I'm sure. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And not only him, but 400 men are with him. And scripture tells us that Jacob And I don't know if they looked like that, but he probably thought in his mind's eye they might have looked like that. That Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and your family and I will do you good. 
I'm not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. When I used to go to church as a kid, I learnt as we came to the time of confession, I, a poor helpless sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquity. Some of us will know that from our journey in the Lutheran church of saying those words. They really came to me as I heard this story of Jacob again. Deliver me, please, he says, from the hand of my brother, for I am afraid he may come and kill us all. Yet you have said I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number, even more than the number of the multitude that Jesus fed. In this, if this story was a mini-series on Netflix, I reckon I'd be sitting there on a Saturday night saying, give it to him, God, he deserves it. I don't know about you, maybe you're better than me in that. Esau is coming, and Jacob calls on the God of promise. Have mercy on me. What will happen? Well, Jacob sends his family and his servants and his possessions across the ford and he's left completely alone at night. That can be a scary place. Alone with his fear. Alone with his guilt. Alone with his shame, his reality. Have you ever been there? I have. Nowhere to go. Caught out. It can be scary. I've come to this step on a Sunday morning in the presence of the one true and holy God. That's what happens as we gather, as we're gathered by the Holy Spirit to God. I, a poor, helpless sinner, we come to this place where we might know what it is to wrestle. As we read Genesis, we already know who the wrestler is with Jacob, don't we? And he could have ended the bout in, in, in the blink of an eye. We hear that by simply, and the, the word here in the Hebrew is that he touches Jacob's hip. He touches Jacob's hip and it's put out. And the word here also has a, has a, has a meaning, a connotation or a connection to the word for plague. He, he plagued Jacob's hip. You know, we heard in George Dietrich's story on Friday something of the plague that humanity does in the space of war. And George was an amazing man who was a very positive human being who I thank God for his witness for. But today, 78 years ago, at not much earlier than this hour, the first atomic bomb was dropped on the city of Hiroshima. We as humans know what it is to plague one another. And yet God here wrestles with this one who is guilty of sin, and yet at the point of disaster, he brings his blessing. The wrestler is God, and the place is called Peniel, because it means, as Jacob said, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Have you ever wrestled with God? Jacob had to face the brother that he had deceived, but really this was the secondary event. The main event involved him coming face to face with God. And we face the same things too. All of us at times might come face to face with our sin. And at the time of our judgment, 
the judgment day, we'll certainly face this too. And the reality is, as God points out in scriptures, that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Sometimes I deceive myself that I'm a pretty good bloke, but that's the reality. And yet the eternal punishment that I deserve, that we deserve, isn't what we receive. Like Jacob, at the point of destruction comes for us the place of blessing and new life. That's our story. Because God, instead of meeting out that plague on us, has sent his son Jesus to take the punishment on his body on the cross for you and for me. What I can't do, what you can't do, God does. It's amazing. It's amazing grace. The power of Almighty God then is shown most clearly in mercy and in promise. God promised to Jacob, I am with you wherever you go. And that same promise he's going to give to James next Sunday as James will be baptised, God willing, in our church. Same promise to you and me, I am with you always, wherever you go. Jacob changes his ways, his new life begins. Israel is his name and God's blessing continues through his life. God is with you too in the long night that the struggle in life can be. Never doubt it. God's promises for you are fresh again and God is faithful to you again this day. God is with you in the place of struggle. And it's often in the place of struggle that we learn what grace truly is and the blessing that we have with God with us. It might seem that Jacob's is a story of cheap grace. He doesn't deserve anything of this wonder of new life that he receives. His brother Esau comes running to meet him as the story goes on, not to destroy him, but to throw his arms around him and he kisses him. It reminds me of the story of that lost child who turns and says, oh, I've, I've got nowhere to go except back to my father. And the father in Luke 15 comes running and does exactly the same, doesn't he? Comes running to him and throws his arms around him in love and grace and mercy. It might seem cheap, but grace is just that. It's grace. It's undeserved, but it's sure, amazing gift. The gift of unmerited welcome, life, the gift of God's very best love for you and for me. That's the whole story of Easter, isn't it? Of the dawning of that new day. And it's in the living of that new life that we can learn that grace is not cheap. It cost God, didn't it? It cost God his life. But that's how much you and I and the world is worth to him. Dear friends, be assured of this. The dark night of sin is dealt with surely by our God. And the light of life is yours to live and to give. Amen. Yes.